0: You're listening to the Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern Preppy lifestyle alive. In today's episode, I'm talking with Heidi, the founder and designer of Pearly Vine, who reinvented the white button down shirt. They're anything but boring with colorful trims and fun patterned cuffs. We'll learn all about the moment that led to her brilliant idea and why she loves what she does. But before I jump in, I want to remind you guys that you can shop the Preppy Podcast merchandise on thepreppypodcast.com. We have sweatshirts, mouse pads, brand new embroidered hats, and even tumblers. It's a great way to show your preppy pride and support the podcast. All right. So tell everyone who you are, where you live, and what you do, Heidi.
1: Hi. Well, I am Heidi Ackley, and I am the owner of Pearly Vine, which is a classic women's style brand. And we everything is designed and manufactured or quote-unquote upcycled in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Awesome. So, have you always been interested in fashion and creative, or did it kind of come later in life? I guess my real question is sort of, what was your childhood like? Were you a creative child? Um, were you always making things? Were you interested in sewing back then? What, what was your childhood like?
1: Well, that's so funny that you say that, because I think of myself as so not creative. <laughs> but when I um, look back on uh, certain things, I remember when my mother uh, learn, tried to learn how to sew. And she took me to a sewing lesson. And, um, I remember making a pillowcase, which PS is like the easiest thing to make with a stenciled on H for my name. And it became my pillow, which, which is so funny because then we went to Joanne Fabrics and got the stuffing and filled it up and it was huge. And I loved it. And it, it was the, Precursor to like a body pillow. Now you can buy body pillows, but I'm um, that was kind of my first stint in um, doing some creative things, and then I had very, very many um, creative, let's just call it creative fails in terms <laughs> of clothing style and everything. And okay. um, so it, you know, I I would like to say that. Um, I think it's been a long time uh, coming in my creative process.
0: <laughs> Got it. That makes sense. Um, that's really funny. I feel like at least I with home in school had to make a pillowcase too. So I remember making that and, it's easy, probably looking back now, you're like, oh, the pillowcase, it's so easy to make a pillow. But at the time, it probably wasn't. <laughs> well,
1: know? I can't even believe that you had Home Ec, because Home Ec is now a thing of the past. But we all had, I had to make a stuffed schnauzer stuffed animal in Home <laughs> And I made, and it was, we were supposed to do cheese broccoli. And unfortunately, I stirred my cheese. It was supposed to be this beautiful broccoli with you pour over cheese Um, And I, of course, stirred it all together and made a hot mess um, in home ec class. So again, epic fail.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. So I guess what, if you went to um, college, then what did you study there? Because it sounds like you probably didn't study fashion then yet at that point. Um,
1: No, I was an athlete. And so I did um, in college, I played field hockey and ran indoor and outdoor track. Hello. And I went to Denison University, uh, which is a small private school in Granville, Ohio. And um I was the thirteenth one of my family to go there. And then I actually this is so bizarre. I my my major was uh Eastern Asian theology. I oh studied gosh. I yes, and Japanese was my language. So I studied abroad and um would traveled through japan taiwan i went on a program called <clears throat> semester at sea and so back then you know dressing i had two older brothers i was a complete tomboy still am and wore all of their hand-me-down clothes um we have pictures of me in fourth grade, and in ninth grade. In ninth grade, I literally was kicked out of a girl's restroom because they thought I was a boy. <laughs> I had a little boy boy cut, you know, boy cut and I was um, a very fast track runner. And so, um, yeah, it, it again, later in life was a little bit more understanding that you can have that classic style with a little bit of a preppy feminine feel to it. And that's still where I come from. I'm still a girl who loves to wear jeans and a classic white Oxford is kind of my go-to outfit. And right. And I've all like my go-to, if you look at any pictures of me in the last five years, I'm in a jeans and a classic white now it's more of a um I love my ribbon trim shirt mm-hmm. and things like that but I am a popped collar classic late 80s kind of gal.
0: I love that. And I first of all, I think first your major is so specific that you studied. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. Um,
1: well, yes, it was it was actually theology and okay. um I so I studied the religions and a lot of that stemmed from The fact that if I were really honest with you, I do not like to speak out loud in front of people. That is one thing that people don't know about me. I'm very insecure about speaking in large settings. And so I chose my, uh, I chose Japanese as my language because it was the smallest class at Denison university with six people in it.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I have to say, though, I love Japan. We went there two years ago and um, I just love it and I recommend it to everyone to go. I would
1: absolutely agree. I mean, I think especially when I go to programs, um, when you would on Semester at Sea, we started in Japan and then went to Taiwan, Hong Kong, Malaysia, India, Egypt Uh, Turkey, Yugoslavia and Morocco, you know, the one thing I do take away from it is remembering the one thing I remember is the fashion. And that sounds so silly because I was really not a fashionista at that time, Mm -hmm. but to see the colors and to see, um, you know, the beauty of the colors, especially in India was just Mm -hmm. insane. And you can't come back from that and not say, wow, wow the depth of color and the depth of, uh, the beauty of the fabrics was just astonishing. Definitely. Um, so can you speak
0: Japanese then still or anything?
1: Well, um, let's see, not very much. Okay. Anyone who is listening, who does know Japanese, um, you know, I think I learned it was Denison Daigaku no, means I went to Denison University. Okay. Um, and then I, I think it's Heidi Deska. I think it, there's a lot of um, intonation in your voice of whether or not you raise it, whether it's a question or whether it's a statement, but it's uh-huh. I mean, basically. Um, and yeah, a few other f- key phrases that were, we were able to use as I was traveling through Japan.
0: <laughs> Got it. That's fair enough. I, I was a French minor and I, can barely speak any French these days. So (laughs) I understand that completely. Um, but so what then after you, you know, you studied this and then you graduated, what was your first career in?
1: Well, I actually graduated. Um, and my first job was a kind of a big girl job. I was, um, a medical implant and instrument sales rep for a company. And I had, um, microsurgery and so I was in and out of surgery selling to the actual surgeons I had 55 hospitals in my territory wow and uh that was right after I got that job in August right after graduating and that came because I was an athlete I was the first female that they'd hired and they gave me kind of the maxiofacial the more uh intricate ear nose and throat um, doctors and I ended up, um, being pretty successful. It was a pretty good career for me early out of college. Um, and I loved it. And I found that with 55 hospitals, the one thing I knew how to do was, um, in that world, you have to sell to the, um, surgeon, but you also have to sell to their scrub nurse and you have to sell to and make sure that you can get in the front door and they have gatekeepers and things like that. And so it really honed my skills on just sales period. And I was in a car, you know, I'd put 35,000 miles on my car every year. It was literally traveling from hospital to hospital. And I ended up being blessed to be top five in the country, um, in sales. And, and so, um, that that just kind of made me realize that selling is everything.
0: Mhm. Wow. I mean, that sounds like it totally prepared you then for what you do now. I mean, getting store accounts and, you know, just promoting your business as a whole. You probably learned so much then um from that career and like you I said even agree.
1: I think it's harder to sell your own product. Mm. And I think that anybody who is designing and, um, creating a product. It's you're far. I mean, I would say for me, at least I am far more insecure in selling my own product than I am anyone else's.
0: Okay.
1: Sometimes I have to step back and not be so personal like you know yeah. you design and if somebody and if I like it great but if other people don't like it I can't take that so personally if that yeah. makes sense.
0: No that makes complete sense. Wow. So where then did the idea for Pearly Vine come from?
1: <laughs> You're like eventually you need to tell us about pearly vine. No <laughs>
0: um, you know, I
1: actually did that and I was um it had a few other career things then I got married and I had twins and I was a stay-at-home mom, and this is before the world of Instagram, I mean literally before Facebook, before Mm -hmm. everything, and I was the live auction chair of a big event, and I needed something to wear. We had just secured, this sounds so funny, but because Oprah Winfrey tickets to the uh, two Oprah Winfrey tickets to Oprah Winfrey show oh and gosh. a private plane to get to Chicago, a hotel and a and a dinner. So a couple could go to Chicago, fly from Ohio to Chicago on a private plane, go to see Oprah Winfrey, have dinner, to hotel and everything for two days. And so we had to announce it because it was a big fundraiser and I had nothing to wear. And I had two little kids and I was at home. And I cannot explain it, but I had this bizarre feeling. I had a shirt that came from, I don't know, I want to say Ann Taylor or TJ Maxx. I don't know. And (laughs) and it was kind of a pseudo French cuff shirt. And I was like, yes, but it's not enough. Mm -hmm. I would love it to be a little bit more. I would love there to be more color. I'd love there to be a little more pop. I'd love it to be something. And I... Literally drove to my parents' house, got my mother's old Husky, Huskavarna um, sewing machine, brought it to my house in the basement where my kids were playing. They were itty bitty. And I drove them to Joanne Fabrics and got terrible fabric. <laughs> and I'm um, not that Joanne's is terrible fabric. I'm not saying that. I just picked out very bad fabric <laughs> and um, came home and made a French cuff shirt. And I don't honestly, it's this bizarre. And then in my head I needed, I remembered a place called Huntington Clothiers that had a big bowl of cufflinks that I would always purchase a pair of cufflinks for my brothers and my dad, even though they didn't have wear French cuff shirts. And, um, (laughs) And I wanted some of those and you couldn't find them. And I had to wire transfer money over to China and have some French cuff cuff cufflinks made to put in this French cuff shirt. And I made it and I wore it. And the president in the league asked me where I got my shirt. And I said, I made it in my basement. (laughs) And I started making them for friends and family and it grew from there.
0: Okay, so then at what point did you decide to turn this into a business? Like, so obviously you made this shirt, it was a hit. And then friends and family are starting to ask you um, for some more. So at what point were you like, okay, I can make this a business for myself?
1: You know, that's funny because then I made a second style shirt and one of my girlfriend's Jenny, who is totally hip, not said to me, oh, where'd you get that or something? You know, did you get that at Nordstrom's or something? And I said, no, I I actually made it. And it was with a different fabric, my sister-in-law. And so then a friend of mine said, would you like to do a show? And I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, come at Christmas, do the show, bring your products and see if anybody would buy them. And this sounds really silly, but I worked so hard for that show and I was doing all the sewing at the time and certain things I knew that people wanted maybe a lower, they wanted a headband. So I caught on the internet and figured out how to make a headband and I thought they might want scarves that were lower price point. And then I you know, and, and I kind of put it together. And at the end, the first person who walked it, who walked up to my booth and literally bought it from me and paid me money back then it was cash and checks. Mm-hmm. I broke into tears. And then, um, at the end I had more orders than I could figure out how to fill. And I, and I'd done $3,000, you know, it was oh like, it was. and I said, wow, this is very bizarre that I think I could do this. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, this is something that I could do. I have kids. And my goal was really just to do like five little shows like that. Again, before internet, before Instagram, before Facebook, five little shows that I could do while my kids were in school.
0: So, Oh my gosh. So what year was that then that you kind of thought, you know, this can be a business. I'm onto something here.
1: Um, that was a long time ago. That was kind of, and it, and then it morphed again. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of, um, I think my kids were four. So I, there was probably 15, 16 years ago. Okay. And, um, and so I kind of, and then it became kind of, and then a girl, a very good friend of mine is a very good photographer. And she put my first catalog together and, We, and the internet was kind of up and running and we kind of pressed play. Like I just posted that catalog out on the internet and things grew from there. And so it was really for a long time, just kind of um, became more of a, it was more of a hobby. And then as, and then as my sales capability kept growing and then the fact that honestly, I didn't want to sew. And I wasn't, I'm not a very good seamstress. I'm not a tailor. I'm not a seamstress. So, (laughs) and and then the the world fell apart in 2008, nine and 10. And I had access to some extremely talented seamstresses and tailors who had, were at home and were looking for work. And that's when everything kind of moved into a little bit of a different direction.
0: Got it. Okay. So then- Let's talk about this new phase then that you just mentioned. So what were some of the first steps to getting it off the ground then? Was it, you know, finding the seamstress who would help you sew? I assume maybe at this point you might have had a website and it sounds like you did a catalog to help get the word out. Like what were some of these first initial steps that really got your brand out there and you getting sales?
1: Um, The first step was uh, really I started – doing more and higher, more boutique shows. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with those, but, you know, uh, Garden Clubs of America shows, shows that we would I would then load up the car and go to. There's a whole circuit of extremely talented women and brands that don't sell wholesale. They sell, and again, they were headed in that direction. But so I started by sending out really emails. I mean, it sounds crazy, but emails and finding out if people were doing boutique shows and getting my name out there by emailing everybody pictures, really good pictures, and then uh, trying to do more photography and, um, and then sending catalogs. And then I decided I'd do a wholesale show like an Atlanta market. And that kind of moved into that direction.
0: Okay. So how would you describe your brand then to someone who's listening who might not know about it? What would you, how would you describe Pearly Vine?
1: Um, well, basically the, what we'd like to do is take classic individual pieces and make them unique. And I loved the, I, I loved the idea um, back in the day of taking and finding interesting materials and interesting fabrics and then adding them to a classic clean shirt, right? Yeah. So basically it's, so I always say it's kind of a pop of color. Basically I don't, what we really don't do is a lot of color all over the place. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i much more of a monochromatic dresser. So I actually like to kind of have an all one look. Like I wear all black or all white. I love all white. And then add a little bit of something either pop the collar and there's something on the back that was unexpected or throw a little bit of a shawl that is a two-tone of one color and the other that that just makes it pop a little bit so that's um I would say very very classic pieces that have just a hint of something unique to it
0: definitely um so what would you say have been some of your greatest challenges then um with Pearly Vine and starting your business, even when you did, what were some of the hiccups along the way that you can remember? Well,
1: I also think every business ebbs and flows and every Mm -hmm. business has its challenges. And I think for, for the fact that our brand has survived this long is kind of, um, without, you know, it's always moving into the next technology and then trying to figure out how you can produce it and design it for that, that next step. So basically you have, um, my first goal was just to do five shows, right? So I was doing the sewing. Well, then you hire on a seamstress or two that you say they have better talent than you do. They bring ideas. So then how do you keep them working for you. <laughs> you need to give them business. So you have to go out to sell. And, you know, so then we were doing bigger and bigger shows in the, in the boutique world in the boutique market. And then you go. Well, those people want to see new things. And then how do you go wholesale? And we have about two hundred and fifty stores that carry our products. And you know, how do you produce for those? And what would they like to see? Because oftentimes, what the store wants to see and what they can sell is kind of sometimes a more a safer version than what you would actually sell on the floor at a booth at a show.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: people. At a show, people are walking into a booth, into my booth, looking for something extremely unique that they can't see at the store. But the store is looking for something that is that is sellable. Right. That is unique enough that it doesn't that it doesn't just blend into the wall, but it it can't be so unique. It's really selling to that one person. The beauty Mm -hmm. about the boutique shows are I can sell to one person. Right. I mean, because I'm making it and I can do it. But and so it's been it's been a challenge to kind of keep all of those balls in the air. And we've also done partnerships with other companies in which we um, have partnered and and recognizing and trying to keep them happy as well. So, you know, I think it's always a challenge to figure out the next technology. For instance, for us, Instagram is new. And, Mm -hmm. and how do we utilize that? And what are the challenges that come with that? That the challenges are for that is really good photography, right? And and trying to engage with people so that they somewhat see our personality over here that we're not taking ourselves too seriously,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, no, it sounds like, you know, it's a little bit about balancing and juggling all the balls and different things, different things moving. um, And then sort of, staying ahead of the curve, but also current in terms of technology and what's the the hot new thing, but still being true to your brand.
1: And also family and what's your lifestyle like? Because let me just tell you, when I was at home with four-year-old twins, my lifestyle was very, very different than it is now. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, you had, you have twins in high school, it's a very different, you know, now it's, it's a whole new world. And so I look at, um, I look at the beauty of the Instagram um, influencers that you have tremendously helped us Mm -hmm. learn um, and see that the beauty that they juggling households and families and kids and doing this work is very inspiring to someone like me who didn't have that capability when my kids were young. And I, I, I think it's a, I think a huge shout out to all of these influencers because it is hard work. (laughs) And anybody who is teasing you about it, don't even hear them because it is a lot of work. And I am proud of every single one of them that are at home with kids trying to do this and accomplishing it.
0: Yep. (laughs) So on the flip side to that last question, what have been some of your favorite moments or the best moments in Pearly Vine and having your business? Oh, well, I mean, again, I have vivid memories of
1: literally the very first person who who bought a shirt from me, right? I, I mean, I can just see it. I know it and I can feel it. Yeah. Um. And I know where I was and when it was. Then the second thing is I know exactly where I was when we kind of launched the catalog. No, there was no website. I didn't have a website, uh-huh. but I sent it out to friends and family and it kind of, grew. And, um, and then I have another, like I have for total memories of like the first store that purchased and wanted to carry my brand was so amazing. And then I had partners in Donovan designs. They, those ladies who are, have been doing this longer than I have. And they're an amazing paper company, all preppy. Everybody needs to know about Donovan designs. Um, they, they're the ones who took a little bit of an earring, our silk knot earring. And I sold about three or four of them at a time. And they said to me, we'd like to carry that product. And I said, okay. And in a matter of we've sold 8,000 pairs of them, you know, wow. I mean, it just, it's it, it, recognizing that a partnership is it, partnering with other people is always a positive thing. Can, can it can be a bad thing, but most of the time, if you, if
0: it works well,
1: it's a very yep. positive.
0: Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about your design process. Where do you find inspiration and kind of what, what's the steps from you having this idea of a new style or new design to then it getting out there and people wearing it? Um,
1: okay. So a couple of things I can design, I can find design anywhere. Mm-hmm. I um oftentimes think of classic pieces. Like I think of our classic, our white with white grow green ribbon shirt yep. came about because I wanted a bell sleeve kind of thing. And I didn't know how to accomplish that. And one of the seamstresses is very good at ruffling and created the the pattern. And I, um, you know, it kind of fell into place, but some like the Rick Rack shirt that we have that is cut shorter. I wanted, I knew I wanted something that somebody would, could wear Erica, who uh, works with me it, said to me, you know, I was a mortgage banker and I wanted, I want a shirt that I don't feel like I have to tuck in. Right. Mm-hmm. But I want to wear it out. Well, somehow the Rick Rack came about that we figured out that we could, cut the shirt off, put the rickrack on. And it really was adorable. And I kept thinking, how do you keep it from looking like Charlie Brown? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and so we, we've kind of, we kind of morphed it and it's been, um, it's a fantastic piece for, for, for everyone, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. And and it's going to stay in our line forever. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, if people like Rick Rack we're we're just going to keep using it and changing it because we love it because I still love to wear it um i think sometimes i have been in a booth and had, um, a woman like our new, our old yet new giddy up jacket, a woman walked in and she had this fabulous white, plain white shirt on. And she turned around and there was a little ruffle on the back of the bottom. Like, and I just was like, Oh my gosh, that's so cute. So then that stuck in my brain and I came home and usually I have every seamstress has their own, um, techniques and okay. they all have- strengths and their weaknesses. And so I will oftentimes find a bunch of really fun fabrics and take it to Diana, for instance, is a master um, uh, pattern maker. And so she will kind of create a little pattern, we'll do something, we'll throw. And every time I put fabrics together, we get a sample and we go, Ooh, that's awful. Right. (laughs) And so (laughs) Nope, that doesn't work, <laughs> you know, and so then it kind of moves from fabrics to then design, and sometimes just designs hit, mm-hmm. and like our our faux fur denim jacket came from we, that one, we worked on it for quite a while and it's hard to work with faux fur. And, um, you know, we kind of had to make it, we decided we were trying to figure out if we needed a button, do you don't? And so I think sometimes you just, I can't explain it. I think sometimes I look at colors together, especially mm-hmm. and see like, like fuchsia and red right now are kind of intriguing to me. And mm-hmm. I'm Always a black and hot pink kind of girl. I'm yeah. always going to be a black and hot pink, and I love a, a good navy and white or a navy and bright Kelly green, you know. And so I think I'm drawn to different colors, but sometimes you inspiration will come from. I, I, I mean, literally, I saw a Christmas ornament, hot pink and orange. I mean, hot pink and red, and I was like, oh my gosh, look at those <laughs> colors together. Yeah. right? And then I build from that. So I'm very much more like granimals. Like when I was a little girl, you know, uh, it's like you, I do one piece and then what would you wear with that one piece? Could we yeah. do the jacket that's with matching? And then well, what if you didn't want to do the jacket, you wanted to do a, a silk wrap around it or what kind of a sweater would you put with it? And that kind of thing and try to build outfits out, out from one piece that we really like.
0: Okay. No, that makes total sense. So it sounds like, um, honestly you get inspiration anywhere, like just out in the wild, out in, you know, as you're, as you're living your life, things hit you.
1: Oh my gosh. And now with Instagram, I sound like such an old lady, (laughs)
0: like,
1: you know, like, I mean, when you haven't been focusing on it and recognizing what a a unique tool it is, sometimes you see things, um, that get, inspiration like a classic clean line of a j crew piece right mm-hmm. and um and that was the other thing like that rickrack shirt j crew had this beautiful white jacket with navy blue rick rack. and i was like a, a jumbo rick rack around it and you know i was like well that's a jacket it was a bolero jacket and we don't do those and i didn't want to but how do you that's that that Jumbo rack was so cool. How do you utilize that jumbo rack to do it, um, you know, into another piece? And we mm-hmm. do, we are lucky since we're making it here, we can do very, very small batch pieces. Like I can make three of them, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and There's so sometimes a challenge is to say, what can me, what can we make? What should we make?
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And so it's like, um, you know, it kind of builds out from there as well, because you have to say how hard, how difficult is this to make? Because if it takes a seamstress all day to make one piece, it's a little hard to be (laughs) like, you know, marketing that out as, you know, your big new product, if that makes sense.
0: So speaking of that, then, um, it sounds like you love the rickrack piece. What is that your favorite piece then on your site right now? Or what's your favorite piece? Um, Well, okay.
1: Well, let's see the, the white with white grosgrain ribbon. I'm wearing it right now. I just wear it with everything. Um, I love the rickrack, but I also like, I'm an Oxford kind of girl. So Mm -hmm. the ribbon candy, and then we have a new KC shirt that is just a classic Oxford, especially for these times to wear with like jeans and, Um, so it's kind of like asking which child you love more. Um, I don't know. I love them all. And, you know, biggest surprise that we have is, um, our plaid long sleeved ribbon shirt. I will be completely honest with you. It almost didn't go into the catalog because we made them last year, uh-huh. uh, for the holiday last year. And It was kind of one of those that we were like, oh, we have the ribbon. Should we bring it back? Should we not? We kind of threw it up there. And that is the biggest surprise because I was like, oh my gosh, all of these adorable influencers, you included, were wearing them and styling them. And it was like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Like, you know, so for us, we sometimes, I sometimes like, Going okay. Let's just send some things and see how other people look in these because they're so cute. But we have been staring at them for so darn long that you know it just kind of loses its luster until you see it on somebody else. Sometimes. (laughs) So,
0: in terms of that, of who would be your dream person to see one of your designs on? It could be a royal or a celebrity or maybe like an icon that no longer is with us, but you wish that they would be around and wear pearly vines still, or maybe it's an influencer. Like who would be someone that you could just see wearing your pieces so well and you wish that they would wear it?
1: Well, of course, Audrey Hepburn and Grace Kelly are like, and even Jane Fonda in uh, Frank and Grace and Frankie or whatever, are those are like classic, People that have aged through time in classic Mm -hmm. now maybe not Jane Fonda and you know earlier but later Jane Fonda but like Audrey Hepburn I mean just the classic monochromatic is and Grace Kelly too I mean wear a string of pearls and call it a day and Jackie O Um, but like right now I love the look of like an Emma Watson. Of course, we yeah. are total Harry Potter people here. But <laughs> if you look at Emma Watson, if you look at Princess Kate, if you look at, um, to me, Allison Williams um, has a good classic clean line. If you look at Allison Williams from, you know, Get Out and uh, Girls, is it Girls? I think it's girls. Um, and you know, those those people are like I would love to see them wearing some pearly vine with like cute frayed cropped jeans, like an mm. a cute Oxford with cropped jeans and pointy rothies
0: You know what yeah. I mean?
1: Like I think it'd be really that'd be fun to see them
0: in one of our shirts or one of our jackets too. Definitely. Those are great people and um they're different ones that I normally get. So I like I like so oh, you do
1: out. oh who do you normally get normally
0: a Reese Witherspoon. Everyone always says her or Kate Middleton.
1: You know what? And I, yes, and I love Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> but I like to me, you know, I like I love Reese. But and and you know, she's to me, I'm much more of a a jeans and oversized kind of Oxford kind yeah. of gal. So mm-hmm.
0: roll up your sleeves and you know have a little fun. Definitely. So you often give back um, in all sorts of ways. So why don't we talk a little bit about that, of some of the causes that you give back to and why they're important to you and you know just the importance of that in general with businesses? Well, first of all,
1: I want to be very honest. I did not have this platform before COVID. And um, it has been like we were asked... By the state of Michigan, we got a phone call from a woman who worked for the state of Michigan who is who is a sister-in-law of one of my seamstresses and asked us if we wanted to do PPE, what is it, PPE Yeah, protection equipment, um, back in March. And I said, wait a second, coming from that industry, we don't have a sterile environment. There's no way mm-hmm. that that is going to fly, right? I mean, that's just who in their right minds back in early March thought that we would be requiring masks for everything. And so then, um, I got a phone call from one of my very dear friends who's in the nonprofit world. And she said, Hey, we have this, this nonprofit that is looking for, you know, a hundred masks, a hundred cloth masks. And, I got on the internet, we figured out how to make them. I had the ladies who wanted business. Um, we had just had a hundred piece order be, um, that was canceled, uh, that was headed to, uh, the Cape. And we were like, Hey, we need something to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was going, we were just going to make them and give them to the Huck house, Huckleberry house. And my good friend said, don't do that. I think we're going to be wearing masks through the summer. Now, this is is smart. (laughs) I think we're going to be wearing masks through the summer. So why don't you figure out a way to make it so that you can, um, you know, people can buy one and you can donate one. And she was brilliant on that. And so we did I did an Instagram to, at the time we had, like I had like a hundred people following, you know, and I, I still don't have a lot of people following, but you know, it was one of those that we just did a video and said, we're looking if you can purchase one and uh, we will make it for you. And then we will donate one to the Huckleberry house. And the Huckleberry house literally called me the next day and said, okay, I think we need 250. And I was like, okay. And then it grew from there. And then all of a sudden we were blessed that we were making them here. And a lot of our competition brands were making them, well, 90% were making them overseas Uh and overseas production just is a lengthier process. And so we were able to make, we were and make masks. And then, and then it moved to, it morphed to people didn't quite need the masks. They needed the money more. And that's when it switched over to, we would give a donation to our, um, you know, to a food pantry. And so, um, you know, first of all, I think it's, an, it, it, it's a fabulous, first of all, it's fabulous for us because mm-hmm. then they go out and and bring a bunch of an audience to us that we never would have reached. Otherwise, so yeah. it's I think if you can ever have the capability of doing it as a small brand, do it just because you never know what audience they will bring, and we've um you know and we've now donated over we well we did over a thousand masks, but we've donated over fifteen thousand dollars in this past year, which is to different charities, which I'm very proud of in the middle of a pandemic, a global pandemic. We've, you know, um, we've been able to really help out some charities that needed the funds. Um, And I think it's important. We're going to continue to do it. It's a lot more difficult because mass sales have definitely slowed down Mm -hmm. um, simply because you can get them for a dollar at, you know, a gas station, you know, but I do think we've just came out with fleece lined um, masks, and that's the beauty of doing it the way we're doing it here, small batch in Ohio. Somebody said to us, What about, you know, we have to now wear them to in Colorado to go to Wash Park, right? Yeah, uh, we need to wear them, so can you make them? warmer and we were like well yeah and we had a Mm -hmm. store up in minnesota who said can you do them warmer for colder clients and we said sure we'll do a fleece lined mask uh for them and so we have the ability to kind of ebb and flow pretty quickly
0: on that if we want to i mean and that's wonderful a that you're able to give back um which is a great lesson there for business but then also you know being flexible and um working with the times essentially, you know, when everything sort of halted in March and people didn't know what was going on and these masks became a necessity then eventually, and it's giving work to your seamstress. Like, I think that's an important lesson too then from that.
1: Well, I think it is. I think, if, especially if you're a small business, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I think you have to have lots of tentacles because, you know, the there are a lot of people out there. Well, first of all, there are everybody, there are a lot of people way more talented than I am. I'm, you know, I am far better salesperson than I am as, uh, than I am a designer, but I will say that a lot of this is saying there are a lot of people who have a great idea and they have a great shirt or a great jacket, or they have Mm. a great belt or they have a great socks. Right. And they have this idea and it, and sometimes the kiss of death is that it's wildly successful right? So they go out and they sell it and they sell it to, I don't know, a thousand stores or they sell it to wherever and, and they're so successful. And then all of a sudden in their brain, they say, well, then what's the next thing? Well, the next thing may not be as successful as the first thing,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but the third or fourth thing might be successful again. So you have to figure out how to are you really thinking of a short goal or a long goal? Right. And so for us, we're always long goal. We are, we are, this might work today, but I can guarantee, I am thinking about July when we, when people probably aren't going to be, you know, they may still be wearing masks. I don't know, but you know, you can't, you know, it was a very successful thing for a short period of time and it allowed us to keep, all of our, and hire on new people and to give business to, to people who, um, needed it and provide money to, I mean, it was a win-win in a terrible, terrible, terrible year.
0: It was a total win-win for us, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. So I have a few fun, like short answer questions for you now. Uh (laughs) So my first one is, what does preppy mean to you? Like, how would you describe preppy?
1: You know, preppy is morphed because preppy to me, I'm of an age of the preppy handbook. I love preppy handbook, classic, clean, somewhat nautical, somewhat ruffle, somewhat Southern, somewhat urban, um, but classic and clean styling pearls. You can wear, you can throw on pearls, even if you've got ripped jeans, you know, that's the kind of what preppy means to me. But I also think, you know, for a long time, it it got a bad rap, kind of like disco. And I feel like preppy is like the long haul, like every, it's like everybody has a little preppy in them. If you've ever worn flats in your life, you've got some preppy in you. (laughs) If you've ever worn Converse tennis shoes, you've got a little preppy in you, right? So, you know, to me, I think everybody's got a little preppy in them and I love it.
0: I love that answer. That's a good one. So what do you like to do in your spare time? What's spare time? What do you mean? Do we we have spare time? Or if you um, had spare time, what would you like to do? (laughs) Well,
1: I run, I still run. Um, you know, I really in spare time, I would love to be able to cook more. Um, I do like to cook. There's a joke in our family because we have a huge family and we have you know, Oxford-trained chefs, and I um, was nicknamed Hot Dog Heidi by my um, in-law family for a long time, but I'm getting better. I'm actually a pretty good cook, and I like to cook. And so I think um, I said, I always say, don't mess with me at 6.30 because my boyfriend, Lester Holt, is on NBC, and I'm drinking a glass of wine, and I'm cooking some (laughs) dinner at 6.30 Eastern Standard
0: Time is my time for me. (laughs) I like that. That's fun. (laughs) Um, what's your go-to drink, whether it's a cocktail or a glass of wine or even just a Starbucks order? Um, well, my go-to drink is a whiskey sour and I'm a bourbon girl. I,
1: um, have, I love a good whiskey sour or an old fashioned. Um, but my star, I'm very bland in Starbucks with the mobile order. It's so sad. My mobile order is a venti with extra cream. I mean, I'm like the, I'm like, the more, like you don't even want to look at my past history of Starbucks. Cause there's no, I'm not earning stars with Starbucks. Let yeah. me just tell you that venti with extra cream does not earn you a lot of stars on the Starbucks app.
0: that's so funny um so what is your favorite print or pattern like do you love gingham or stripes or you know even your rickrack like what would you say or florals you know what i
1: really like a bold floral and that's the Mm -hmm. other thing back when i was only doing shows before we went wholesale you know you can take a lot more risks Cafe um facet is a if you have any quilters out there i am a um, Amy Butler is from Granville, Ohio. I love it. I don't know if she's producing anymore. Amy Butler Fabrics, um, Kafe Facet, K-A-F-F-E Facet and Brandon mm-hmm. Mabley for Kafe are two of my favorite. Um, I love their, their color and their bold. Um, I love to take a really big print and put it in a small space if I okay. can yep. because even if you are doing 50, 100, 200 of them, everyone is a little bit unique. I Mm -hmm. kind of like it when things don't, when the pattern doesn't match, right? I kind of like it that the left arm cuff has a giant flower on it and the right arm cuff has the more muted background colors, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: to me, that's the essence of the goal of what we're trying to achieve. Right now, I'm really into madras too. So like it kind of comes and goes because I feel like madras is such a fun, it's kind of the same thing in in a different, you know, in a more preppy, more nautical feel in -hmm. which you you don't have um one everything it's not too clean. Yeah. I kind of like it when it's a little messy, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, definitely. But I'm so, also let me just tell you, I, I you know, when you when you think about it, I'm I'm I love a good flat, you know, just gingham check. Yeah. You can never go wrong with go a gingham
0: check. Yeah. That's funny. Um what's a goal for 2021 or something you're excited about for 2021?
1: You know what, I'm excited to be more digital for 2021. I think um, 2020 has taught me to be digital and to move the company forward. And Mm -hmm. I feel like with 2021, our goal we have discussed it here is really more to start to collaborate and do more partnerships, we have found that, um, you know, we can do a lot of things here that sometimes we don't do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so being able to collaborate with, um, other brands, being able to collaborate with our stores, uh, we can do private label things for our stores. We can do, um, partnering with, And getting back to kind of where we were a long time ago, I mean, I kind of feel like our accessories have hit a mark that we kind of forgotten about for a while. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really kind of excited to—we have new, our new belt buckles and our new belts that aren't online yet are going to be really something kind of back to the back to the future. If you will, yeah. And um, that's what I'm kind of excited about for 2021 awesome so will there be more hair accessories i love your headbands too yes. hair accessories headbands scrunchies and you know i think um you know we're just finding that our our niche is not our niche again is not necessarily we're not always going to have a new um whole product line every 2 months uh-huh. and that's okay you know yeah. we're much more of a classic but again I think, I mean, our faux fur puffer vests have been insane. Like, it's so funny. and We just, and that was just something fun that we've, that we put on. And we just, in our Madras puffer vest, I mean, we're laughing that the puffer vest has, was, is brand new and it's just, but it's a very easy piece for people in terms of sizing Mm -hmm. and everybody's wearing a vest. Now you can wear a vest, you can wear a vest every single solitary day, practically in this, you know. Um, In this environment, it can be your sweater, it can be your outdoor, it can be whatever. And so that's been something that's been very, very fun for us to um, find a a family for, you know, like it's, it's kind of like we
0: found our niche in that little puffer vest has been very fun for us. That's awesome. Now I'm so excited for the fun things you have in store for next year. Um, so, my final question is Where can people find you? Let everyone know your Instagram handle, your website, um, anywhere else that you'd like them to find you. Okay. So, we are at www.pearlyvine.com.
1: No S on the end, just pearlyvine.com. You can find us in about 200 stores around the country, different elements and pieces of our product. And then of our product line. And our accessories are sold also at pearlyvine.com, but also sold at donovandesignsinc.com. And then our Instagram is at pearlyvine and our Facebook is at pearlyvine. Um, and hopefully for 2021, I'll be on Twitter too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.